Hello, beautiful soul family, and welcome to the Walk On Podcast, the podcast where I try to demystify spirituality, personal growth and healing, and whatever else I feel like talking about. I'm your host, Britt Cannon, and this week we are talking about healing. I posed in my newsletter, which you can subscribe to on Instagram or email me your email address at walkonmychild at gmail.com, and in my Sunday healing circle, which happens at 3.33 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, lasts about two hours, and it's a cute little um, just healing circle where a bunch of friends get together and shoot the shit. I always bring a topic in that coincides with this podcast and what I talk about in my newsletter, which is usually tied into the astrology and just kind of what I receive intuitively. Um, And that I pose the question, how do you heal? Um, I think it's really cool to kind of think about this sort of thing. Sorry if you hear my dog crunch, crunch, crunching away in the background. uh, sometimes when we put something into words or into concrete ideas, you know, if we can like explain something to ourselves in a conscious way, we can better understand it and contextualize it and maybe even then better access what it's trying to give us or um, teach us or show us. And so I'm asking you this question, dear listener. Um, I never. I usually ask for like some kind of input on the episode at the end, but I want to. I want to pose this to you now. If you if you follow me on Instagram and you'd like to be added into the Sunday Healing Circle DM group chat. I will add you, and you can answer there. You can email me at that email address I said before. Um, Or you can just send it to me um, on Instagram or on Twitter. My Instagram handle is Brit underscore that's underscore it. Twitter, it's the same thing, but with an extra underscore at the end. Um, How do you heal? You know? Um, And then, so in this episode, I'm going to talk about how I heal and see if any of that resonates with my friends out there listening or, you know, maybe give some people some ideas about how to heal if they don't really know, if they aren't sure where to start. And if you've listened to a lot of my past episodes, you know that I've had a little bit of a hard life. I often say that I feel like I came into this life fighting, and I've been fighting every step of the way ever since. And, you know, whether it was really extreme cases of childhood trauma or um, lots and lots of romantic rejection that, of course, stem from the childhood trauma, right? On the one hand, uh, psychologically, the things that feel like home are ten- tend to be karmic copies or like, you know, it's kind of like how um, if you were raised by a narcissistic parent, you often tend to vibrate towards or be attracted to narcissistic partners and friends. I had a lot of that going on. Or if you want to think of it spiritually, it's kind of like those shitty relationships come to you so that you can heal from them, so that you can face them, stand up to them, confront them, walk away from them, 
decide you don't need them decide that you don't have to work hard for love decide that you are enough on your own that you'd rather be lonely than dealing with someone who treats you like shit um and in that way you start to chip away at the original wound that probably came from your parents um or from some just like loss or or lack that you experienced in childhood. You know, there are many, many things that can cause us trauma. Losing a pet can cause trauma, someone in the family dying, a divorce, a big move, even losing a teddy bear or something, bullying in school. Like there's lots and lots of um, trauma. You know, it's varying degrees of severity, but they all affect us, you know, and you do not walk through this life without experiencing some kind of trauma. Um, I think even in some ways being extreme, because I was just thinking like, well, probably like children of extremely wealthy people probably grow up with very little trauma, but then you have the emotional unavailability of your rich parents. And I think sometimes extreme wealth can be a kind of trauma because it creates a lack of empathy, like a lack of struggle kind of creates a monster. So, you know, everyone experiences some of it. And then our, we live our lives. It's kind of, to me, it kind of ha has happened in like age ranges. So like from childhood to maybe 13, I was experiencing the brunt of my trauma, like the biggest amount of trauma. And then it, from 13 until 19, I was experiencing like less trauma, I would say, less direct trauma, less like physical violence, but I was still enduring a lot of like emotional abuse and just like dealing with a lot of heavy shit, like addiction of family member with fam like family members with addictions, I guess I will say, um, with addiction issues, um, abandonment in a lot of ways. And then just like life trauma, I was drinking a lot, like a lot of substance use on my own part as I got into my early 20s. And then the next little gap of time was basically just like realizing that everything I had going, been going through for my whole life up until that point was not okay. And I started reading self-help books. So this is like the first I would say this is the first way that I heal. I have Mercury in Scorpio, which is like an investigator, a researcher, um, a, a detective, if you will, and someone who really likes to just like, you know, Scorpio isn't afraid to plunge into the depths and darkness um, within. So that's basically what started my shadow work is I would read these self-help books because where I'm from in Virginia, there's not a lot of mental health resources, um, not a lot of just like help health resources if you're below a certain tax bracket and not a dependent on someone or someone with dependence. Um, and I, because of being autistic and also healing all of this trauma took a lot of time and energy and like made me extremely fucking anxious and I have complex PTSD which causes a lot of like emotional dysregulation and just being sort of hypersensitive in a lot of ways like social situations really stress me out one of the jobs that I was you know that was available to me was waiting tables but every time a table 
treated me in a way that reminded me of my childhood, I would have like panic attacks. And the same thing would happen when I was a teacher and I would deal with certain parents or see how certain parents treated their kids. I would get deeply triggered. And so it just was really hard for me to work at a place more than like a couple years at a time. And then I would take like sometimes a year between jobs and it was just like not great. So I couldn't afford health care. And even when you get health care, it doesn't often cover mental health care in Virginia. So I was just shit out of luck. So I decided through the social media app Tumblr, I'm sure I've talked about this before, I was on it because I was like feeding my eating disorder because there was a lot of like pro eating disorder um, communities on Tumblr at that time. But I found this really cool group of people who all were queer at the time, queer and out at the time, or ended up becoming um, out as queer. Um, who started off with an eating disorder and ended up all being recovered from or in recovery from it, but in a really high level of recovery. You know, we started off not knowing much about social justice and ended up being these really, really um, sort of active participants in social justice movements. You know, like we all had this beautiful path, this beautiful moment of traveling parallel and going from a place that was obsessed with this patriarchal idea of becoming smaller, taking up less space as women to like realizing that many of us aren't even quote unquote women um, in the first place. So, um, so that started giving me like community and belonging, which is intensely important for people who have been through abuse and neglect, um, including emotional abuse and neglect. That's just as bad as any of the other ones. Um, and in fact, if you're experiencing one, you're usually experiencing, if you're experiencing physical abuse and neglect, you're probably also also experiencing emotional abuse and neglect. So um, I found this beautiful community and because it was relatively anonymous, I mean, everyone knew who everyone was, but we weren't really like on Facebook with each other yet and stuff. That took like many years to kind of branch our tumblers out into the real world. But um, it was a place where I could totally, completely, like, unfiltered express myself. And that was a first. Um, I am sure anyone out there listening who's from a toxic household knows how appearances are everything and how if you call out what's going on for not being okay, you will be punished, you will be ostracized, and you will be gaslit to the point of complete dissociation. You know, like it's just, there are certain kids um, in these kinds of families, like they usually end up being the scapegoat, but occasionally they're the golden child until the point um, that they speak up. If you're not familiar with these narcissistic healing, um, narcissistic abuse healing terms, a scapegoat is usually the one that everything gets blamed on. They're the outcast, the black sheep of the family. Um, no one tends to like them because they tell the truth. And then the golden child is like the favorite, but it can also mean, it could be like the ugly stepsisters. The scapegoat is like Cinderella and the, the golden child are like the ugly stepsisters. Except sometimes it's not, they're not a favorite in that way. Sometimes they're sort of the backbone of the family. But I don't know, it's, it tends to be a little bit fluid. Um, 
sometimes in these families it's really, really obvious, and sometimes in these families it's not so much. And sometimes if you're dealing with multiple narcissistic caretakers, um, one will have one favorite and the other will have yet another favorite. And so the scapegoats will be, you'll be a scapegoat to one and a favorite to the other. So it's, it can get very confusing. It's really rarely sort of black and white, but sometimes it is. Um, I kind of lost my train of thought because I was explaining that. <laughs> um, Anyway, so yeah, so usually the scapegoat is the truth teller of the family, and they're the ones that kind of accidentally call stuff out because they don't really know um, not to say something, or they just see things very clearly and they don't understand what a threat to everyone's shoddily built Jenga tower it is to call these things out. And so it really causes a lot of rejection and a lot of pain for the kid, you know. Um, so what this does is it makes you realize that you have to keep it to yourself, you know, that you have to shut up about it, that there's no point in trying, that no one's going to listen to you. It makes you feel very invisible, very small, very unimportant. And in fact, kind of like a big burden or just like an inconvenience, which if you've ever experienced this, you know it's a pretty painful um, feeling to have given to you, especially by your caretakers, by anyone in your whole life. Like if anyone ever makes you feel this way, my advice is to get the fuck away from them forever. But, uh, but in childhood, it just, it sets you up for a life of more of that because that's what feels right to you. And because you don't know any other experience of love. So to be able to have this platform to speak my truth was incredibly healing. Um, I don't think that it necessarily has to be public or with other people. The community and the belonging can start with yourself and then eventually will lead you to what I like to call your soul family. Like I consider each one of you listeners my soul family because something has drawn you to my vibration, to my um, my work, you know, to my purpose here that I put online <laughs> for everyone every week or most weeks. Um, but it does eventually lead to your real community, you know, your chosen family. But it can start within yourself. But like belonging from another is like the best way, true belonging with unconditional love, you know, people who support you, people who listen to you, people who you listen to, people who empathize with you, people who learn you not to use stuff against you, but just to know you, um, you know, you feel a good vibe when you're around your soul family, when you're around people who really truly resonate with you and aren't some kind of ghost from the past, some kind of fucking useless, not useless, shitty trauma bond that is just a lesson. Um... But as far as sharing your thoughts and feelings, I was, see, this is, time is not linear. I was starting to talk about how, um, how research was one of my healing 
one of my modes of healing. But now I have ventured off into different side quests <laughs> and other modes of healing, which is one is finding community and belonging, and the other is finding a place to speak my truth. So I just talked about community and belonging and how important that is and how we can cultivate that within ourselves and attract it externally. But I will come back to that a little bit as I speak, I'm sure. And then another one is speaking my truth. So I didn't just have my Tumblr community to talk about this stuff with. I also started keeping really diligent journals like every morning and night and sometimes throughout the day um, and sometimes I would spend time rereading journals from the past I would put my tarot readings for myself in there I would put astrology when I started learning it in there just like any notes I took on anything like spirituality as I started waking up um, just mundane stuff about my day. At first, I went, because of the complex PTSD, I was tracking my moods. I was tracking how much I ate in a day, not for diet purposes, but to make sure I was eating enough because I was going through this phase where I was like meditating so much that I would forget to eat, and then I would get really dizzy and sick. Um, so I was just trying to see, like, keep track of my moods, how much I ate, and how much I slept in order to see, like what was affecting my moods if it was that I was just tired to figure out how much sleep I needed to figure out what times of the day I needed to eat just to figure out like how life felt the rightest for me and what activities I engaged in when my mood was a 10 what activities I engaged in when my mood was a 2 what people I interacted with what kind of art I created just like how much I rested all of that uh, kind of served to help me get to know myself but it was also, you know, um, someone I know recently has just started therapy and like they're going through a lot of their trauma in that they've experienced in their life. And their therapist told them a way to heal is to, especially trauma that carries a lot of shame with it, is to write it in a journal and then leave it out. Of course, this is hard to do when you, if you live in a home with someone who you don't trust. Um, but it's still a good exercise in trust and in releasing that shame. Um, because she said to the therapist said to write the stuff in the journal and then leave it out so it's not a secret. Did I already say that? I think that's amazing. Like that's really beautiful. And so it it gives you two things, right? It makes it not a thing you're ashamed of because I mean you will probably initially feel some discomfort and some shame and some fear that someone will read it. But it also tell like it gives you a non-judgmental space to put it into your own words, to tell your own story, even if no one else ever reads it, you know? And I think that's really powerful because denial is a big part of, I mean, healing, like grief. Denial is one of the seven stages of grief. Is that right? There's seven? Five? I think it's seven. Um... 757 is the Virginia area code that I grew up in. That's funny. Um, there is a certain part of denial that comes with experiencing abuse because of the nature of the gaslighting, because of the nature of the intensity of the love bombing, because of uh, just really like sort of a, a chemical addiction to 
the the cycles of abuse um it's sort of like we don't see that we're being abused and that inherently kind of is denial it's that thing where when you're in an abusive relationship and someone says you're in an abusive relationship even if it's someone you love even if it's someone you trust your first instinct is to freak out on them and to kind of get angry at them and defend yourself because you really don't see it until you see it because that denial is there so it, it kind of like overcomes that or deprograms that and reprograms the truth the reality of the situation which makes way for acceptance and acceptance is where real healing lies um i also just think that keeping a journal is very therapeutic because you know especially if it's handwritten now i know not everyone can handwrite but if it's like handwritten or you like record it like audio style um i think that's really good because then you don't sit there trying to edit it and make it sound like good writing like it shouldn't matter if it's good it should just be like start off being like hey journal what up i ate oatmeal today i'm pretty tired i had a fight with my partner um i laid in the grass you know just like reporting sort of the facts of the day and then before you know it with practice if you keep up with it you'll find yourself sharing more. And when you're not thinking about it, you'll put things down, like you'll write things or say things that you don't realize are the truth. And then when you go back and read it, or even as you're sort of putting it out there, you'll hear yourself say it, and then you can't argue with it, you know? And that is beautiful. That is sort of setting yourself up to be your own teacher, your own sort of... Uh, guardian angel if you will um and it's really 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 healing and then you can kind of decide what you'd like to share with other people or not what you'd like to keep to yourself you can see what you keep revisiting if you're in therapy it can help you make more progress in therapy because you're doing work you're basically like talking to you like the therapist of yourself you um, and so you can go back to, to your real therapist and um, your outside therapist and share what you find. And that, to me, just accelerates healing. That would otherwise maybe take a whole life, lifetime. You can do it in like a few years or it might still take a lifetime. But as you're healing, you're developing and as you're just like putting these things down, you're developing a real relationship with yourself. And I don't know if y'all realize this, but most people don't know themselves. Like, that's why people are out here in COVID times, like, dying for a distraction. Oh, snaps to that. Dying for a distraction. Like, going out, risking death, risking sickness, maybe even infecting others selfishly so that they can distract themselves from themselves. Whereas you'll see the people who are kind of like used to being with themselves, the kind of people who are used to slowing down, who know how to sit in meditation or just in presence, who know how to enjoy the simpler things, they're the ones staying their asses at home and doing the right things. Um, even looking at the government, if you didn't listen to my last week's episode, the white supremacist, capitalist is heteropatriarchy, it was a doozy, please go check it out. Um, 
even the government is kind of a case of that. You know, these are people who are wholly unfilled, unfulfilled, who need to seek out power. They can claim to be public servants all they want, but it's about power, 100%. Because if it wasn't, they would be taking care of us. They would be actually serving us instead of doing whatever it is the fuck they're doing. And because they are like obsessed with money all of these people who do these like quote-unquote essential or like <laughs> ever-growing list of essential jobs the teachers the waitress people the food service industry um they're being required to go back to work in order to flood money back into the economy so that these politicians can like look good and get reelected or something i don't know but these like searching for a distraction people or people who can't you can really tell who is like self-aware and whole within themselves and who is really fucking losing it because they have to hang out with themselves and I just think that's really interesting so if like most I feel like the thing we're here to do like I was saying in last week's episode is be authentically ourselves to be vulnerable at all junctures to be present all the time and then from that space that highest highest vibrational space um sort of everything else flows you know the purpose flows true love flows unconditional love flows real belonging flows you kind of attract those things to you when you're in this authentic state and because what everyone's getting from you everyone who's attracted to you what they're getting from you is the real fucking deal is you um there's no other shoe to drop because there's nothing you're hiding there's nothing that isn't authentically you. You know, sometimes people get in relationships and they think, okay, let me lie to this motherfucker for a good six months to a year and then we'll see how it goes, you know? But it's just not sustainable and it's also just not kind. It's not kind to present a false you to the person you're with, to lie about your expectations, to lie about your values, to lie about what it is you need. Um... But it's also not nice to to claim to love someone else and be hoping that they're going to become someone else while you're with them. Um, that's not unconditional love. That is like the definition of conditional love. So keeping a journal helps you sort of clarify all of that as you go. And as you're documenting how certain things make you feel, you can see where the wounds are. You can see where the cracks are and you can start going in there and patching them up. So then you're carrying less baggage with you as you go. So then you're having overwhelmingly more positive experiences. So journaling, community, and now we're back to research. So I feel like my journals are a bit of research. For me, astrology is a beautiful tool for self-development and self-discovery. It's actually a really great objective guide for what you have to overcome in this lifetime or what you're supposed to or what you know because you blast it into the world <laughs> into the physical with that exact birth chart you know sun moon rising venus mars jupiter saturn you know all of that all those placements and then all the houses because you blast it into physicality with these traits that means that you have certain like 
certain experiences that were meant to happen to you at certain times objectively like this is from a soul level not a physical level so if you find yourself getting a little defensive at hearing that that's totally fine and valid this is just my opinion and it's just kind of like i'm explaining astrology doesn't mean that you deserve anything that happened to you or that like you have to feel grateful for it or you have to forgive anybody like nothing like that it just means that it's maybe bringing you a little bit of like with challenge comes healing with endings come beginnings with all experiences come growth if you're doing it right so that's all i'm saying but you come in with certain things that are happening at certain times, depending on what's aligned in the stars and also like your choice, like your human free will, how you respond to things, the, you know, the, the forks in the road that you come into day to day and also over the whole course of years and um, decades, you know, like every time, all the time we're making choices and each choice is significant as far as who we are and how our path unfolds and how our karma plays out. Um, so it can show you, you know, lots of things and like what's gonna happen when and sort of like your, your tools on your tool belt of being this person in this lifetime. Also a little glimpse at the tools in your tool belt you had in, in the last lifetime and how those two things can play out to make you who you're supposed to become on the highest timeline, but also potentially on the lowest timeline. So it is like gorgeous. Like it's amazing. It's an incredible tool for self-awareness. It's also really fun. It's fun to read about. It's fun to think about. It's not scary. It's not from the devil. It's just a tool. It's just a guide. Um, and so that was a big, that is constantly a big teacher for me in reading my own chart, which like, it's endlessly interesting. Like every time I go back to it, I learn new stuff that I didn't learn last time I researched it. So it seems like it's ever unfolding. You know, first you, you research all the placements and what they mean, and then you start to understand how they all interact with each other. And that means a deeper level, you know? It's just very, very cool. So that was a tool for me, that sort of research about my own experience. Um, also, shadow work. That's like the definition of healing. Shadow work is where we address the wounds that we've, we've um, sort of acquired over the course of this lifetime and probably past ones too. And so um, shadow work for me looks like reading those self-help books. Um, the first one, I mention this all the time, it's called Toxic Parents. I don't remember the rest of the title. It's kind of long, but it's by Susan R. Forward. I talk about it in so many of these episodes. It changed my life. It's about... Um, how to deal with toxic families it's by a psychologist who uses real life examples from her patients and you just see the patterns play out you know you see how a lot of people with narcissistic mothers end up having eating disorders you see how um how our adult relationships mirror our childhood relationships with our parents and our caregivers um it's 
fascinating and also so so healing to read and she also gives you exercises to do as you read the book so it's just like it took me a long time to read because it was deeply triggering but it was really important so that kind of research and there's a lot of that there's also i do spiritual shadow work which is like getting on my yoga mat turning on some meditation music doing some deep belly breathing and meditating and for me, I'm really into transcendental meditation, which is where I astral project and I connect with various like spiritual guides and mentors and the stars that show me, they'll liter literally take me to traumatic moments in this life and past ones and will watch the memory play out almost like a Christmas carol, you know, almost like Scrooge. <laughs> um, we'll watch the memory play out. And if I feel the need to step in and protect my, my little self, I will. Or if I just feel the need to watch to simply remember, um, I do, and it's, it always shows me something that I really, really need to see, and they always give me incredible advice, <laughs> and whenever I'm in each one of their presents, I just get hit with this wave of just, like, unconditional love, almost like you imagine, like, a really, really good parent would be, and it's all psychic, like, it's all in vibes and in empathy and not in so much words, although sometimes... But it's mostly telepathic, which I also think is really cool. Um, so yeah, the spiritual shadow work is huge for me because like when else are you going to get to, unless you get hypnotized or something, or in therapy when a professional triggers you on purpose in a safe environment, when else are you going to be safely confronted with repressed memories and be able to discover those and even like sort of change your experience of them in memory because our consciousness really doesn't know the difference between like a daydream and reality you know um so when you go into your meditation like that and you stand up for yourself it does heal it it does give you a different experience to think about and i think that's really profound too another way that i research my experience is i document my dreams in my journal my dreams are so fucking prophetic. It sounds insane, I realize, but it's really not. Like, I have had, I, I mean, down to, like, who's going to contact me in a day, like, the following day, or what things are about to play out in my life, from breakups to, like, betrayals to abundances coming in to certain illnesses, like my dreams tell me everything and it's not straightforward dreams kind of like the tarot cards um work with the subconscious so it's a lot of like metaphors and poetry and imagery and numerology and like color theory as far as like what certain colors mean spiritually or psychologically so there's a lot of like interpretation that must be done although thank goodness there's lots of books and websites like if you google like I dreamt about a bus last night. Like, <laughs> you can find interpretations of it on the internet for free. So I really, like, dive into those and document those in my journal. And that helps me, A, remember them. And, you know, teaching yourself to remember your dreams, 
teaches you uh, or teaching yourself to document your dreams and analyze them teaches you to remember them. Like it makes them more vivid and like rememberable, member memorable the next night, you know, like as you get in the, the habit of taking them seriously, you more is revealed to you within them. Um, so that's another way I research my experience. Another way is after I realized that being triggered was like always showing me a wound, you know, if whether it was like a romantic rejection or, um, or like a loss, a failure, once I realized that the reason why those things were happening to me cosmically was to show me something about myself, that everything is a mirror to us, really, that like everything is showing us a side in ourselves or something that lives within, within ourselves that is meant to be dealt with or that we're being guided or even pushed sometimes to deal with, I started really taking that seriously. And like, you know, so if someone rejected me romantically, I would think, okay, I'm being asked to pour more love into myself. You know, like I'm not being asked to not reject myself. So I would do that and then I would feel better. Or if it was a failure, I would be like, okay, so I'm being shown in a way that this wasn't meant to work out right now. So like, what am I learning from it? Where did I go right? Where did I go wrong? How could I not make these mistakes in the future? How could this make me invest more or believe in myself more? Instead of like, what I used to think is, how is this showing me that this isn't meant for me? How is this showing me in the ways in which I'm not good enough? Like, I don't think like it, I don't think of it like that anymore. I just think of it as like, it must not be time yet. Something better must be around the corner. That's like one of my mantras, mantras I love. It's um, this or something better, you know, because there's been many, many times where I've been talking to the universe and asking for what I want and in the end, it what I wanted wasn't good for me. And I think about that all the time. Thank God I didn't get what I wanted when I wanted it, you know? Thank God, because things turned out so much better than I could have imagined. And I just think that's, a, that's really important. Like, if you're really fixated on someone, on like being with someone specific, but maybe that person is hurting you, maybe they're breadcrumbing you, maybe they won't fully commit to you, maybe they feel make you feel like you're not good enough, maybe they remind you of your childhood, you know, maybe they keep you in this intensity, yes, but also misery, longing, punishment, torture, you know, um, maybe, you know, take a step back and be like, okay, okay, okay. I think I want this right now, but let me just throw my hands up to God, like Jesus take the wheel, so to speak. And so I'll say, I want this or something better and watch the something better come along. I promise you <laughs> the something better comes along. Um, so yeah, I think understanding everything is a mirror is a really big part of that because it means, you know, again, not that you deserve everything. Like, don't even think about deserve. What the fuck is deserve anyway? Just think about like challenges, lessons, pain. Yes. Trauma. Yes. Is that terrible? Yes. Wouldn't it be better if we didn't have to experience that? Absolutely. But we do, and we can't control that. People get sick. Bad things happen. You know, people mistreat and abuse others. Well, what we can do is learn from each experience and really work hard to roll up our sleeves, 
and do that shadow work. Dig into those wounds, take them out, examine them, um, put them like integrate them actually admit they happened accept how they made us feel accept that we're hurt you know accept that we're wounded accept that maybe we've been walking around hurting others because we're hurt like whatever level of like facing it you have to do do it and um and then watch things improve because they will at the very least you'll feel lighter at the very least you'll feel happier and that's sort of when I started researching with those self-help books or even when I eventually could um, get into therapy, I would always think, like when I went into therapy, <laughs> the two things when she was like, why are you here? One was like, I need to learn how to say no. And two was, I just want to feel better because I was walking around wanting to kill myself all the time. And I got so sick of that. I was like, you know, fed up with life and I was like well trying to kill myself isn't doesn't seem to be working so uh, let's think about or like I would have like intrusive suicidal thoughts or like passive suicidal thoughts like I wish I would get hit by a bus right now I wish I wouldn't wake up tomorrow but I would also sometimes have these scary conversations with myself where I'd be like I just want to drive my car off this bridge like all it would take is me jerking the wheel over pushing the gas and just wrecking this shit and I could be done with the whole fucking shebang you know um I don't mean to like laugh and make light of that. It just, you know, I have to make light of things sometimes because like that's how my family coped with the horrifying shit that was happening <laughs> in our household. But uh, it also is just, you know, it's like a little, it was very scary at the time because I was having to talk myself out of that. But now looking back, I see that it was just like, I just feel bad for myself, but I also you know, like a, like a loving parent, like I just kind of like, I'm not angry at myself for feeling that way. I know exactly why I felt that way. I felt, I feel that feeling that way, considering what I had gone through and what I was going through was totally justified. You know, it was a terrible life. Um, but now free from that kind of thinking, um, because I went and found the help I needed, you know, because first with these books and then with an actual counselor and in spirituality and my meditations and then now in community, um, I just don't feel those things anymore. You know, I wake up every day grateful to be alive and I really relish life and try to live every day with intention, even if it is simple. You know, I'm not someone, maybe when I have the resources, but I'm not someone who's like traveling everywhere every five seconds and like experiencing a lot externally. Like I'm actually very content at home, keeping things clean, eating good meals, chilling with my partner, walking the dog, looking at flowers, you know, putting my feet in the sand. Like I like things pretty simple. Um, but I just try to live with intention and I try to, um, be just a positive force of love in this world and just be my authentic self, you know, my weird ass flawed authentic self and, you know, just trust that other people will be, um, braver seeing me do it. 
And even if it is scary for me, and I also look to the people who have done it before me to show me the way, you know, in gratitude. So it's just a totally different experience of life these days um, because I've done the healing. Another way, another means of healing for me is that I let go. Um, I did an episode a while back on letting go. Um, so definitely go listen to that if you're more interested in this concept. But this is this is non-negotiable for me. Like this is one of my biggest lessons I've had to learn, and I've had to learn over and over and over. Um, but it's just that not everything is meant to last your whole life. Not everything is meant to last forever. Not everyone is permanent. Not every change is permanent. Not every like decision we make is going to be the right thing for us forever. Like. To be fluid is to be happy. To be flexible is to be happy. Because it means that if you ever outgrow something or if something stops contributing positively to your life or if you just change your mind, you're able to change course without a lot of fuss or... um, or tantrum throwing. What's What's the nicer word for that? Resistance. When you first start trying to go with the flow, um, to like follow the flow of your intuition and your life path without, um, without resisting, when you first start trying, there's a lot of resistance. You know, it might take you six years to make a change that you know you need to make right away. Um, and then a few months, or then a few years, then a few months, then maybe a few days, then maybe you just have to contemplate on things for like an hour before they make sense. Or you can go back and read your journals and see the, you know, when you're writing in a journal or like, I guess like vlogging or audio blogging or whatever for yourself, when you're communicating with yourself in a vulnerable way, um, and you go back and experience your thoughts or whatever, you'll see yourself cycling back to the same things over and over and over and over. Whether it's like in a relationship where you, every five seconds you're like, this isn't going to work. We're not right for each other. Like, I'm not happy in this. But you stay and stay and stay because you're resisting, because you don't want to find a new place to live, because you don't want to be alone, because you don't want to hurt someone's feelings. Like, whatever it might be, you resist. Um, but the resistance is futile at at best um, and self-sabotage at worst like it's just getting in your own way your intuition knows what's right your body knows what's right and if you follow that you'll always end up back on course so um, yeah that's like a really important thing to my healing is that when I guess like it's the concept of divine timing it's just trusting that the right things happen at the right time and that what is meant for me will stay and that what isn't will leave and it'll leave with intention. It'll leave in in order to improve my life and make my experience of life better. So I really don't cling. I do not cling. I do not resist. I let the lesson take as long as it's going to take me and I do not judge myself for how long it took. But when I learn something, I fucking learn it. It sticks. When the universe starts trying to pull me away from somebody, I let go. And I do not do this wishy-washy back and forth thing. I do, 
I do concrete closings. I always end in love. Like I've rarely had a bad, I have one bad, well, I guess like that's not true. I guess I had a few bad breakups, but I really try to like, in most cases where possible, if someone won't communicate with me or if someone won't let me lovingly say goodbye, you know, if someone's too in ego or too controlling, that's kind of the same thing or, you know, not mature enough to handle a loving goodbye, then so be it. Then I'll just quietly (laughs) release myself. But, you know, if they are up for that, if they are for up for like a loving, authentic, beautiful love, I already said loving, honest goodbye, then I will definitely always do that. It doesn't have to be ugly breaking up. It doesn't have to be ugly moving on. It can be beautiful. It can be a beautiful memory for both people involved or like, you know, if it's like an institution, like a job or something, you know, there can be going away parties. There can be uh, good luck cards. There can be I love yous, you know, last I love yous. It's okay. You know, it's letting go is a part of life. It's, it's a lesson we're meant to learn because we're all just in training for death. You know, that sounds heavy, but it's true. We're all just practicing for the great final change. Well, I wouldn't even say it's final, but the the deceptively final change, um, which is the release of life force energy in these physical forms. And so that is another way that I heal, is that I let go. I'm in full acceptance of letting go. If someone doesn't want me, I don't feel the need to force myself on them. If someone shows me they don't love me, then I go where love is. Um, When I outgrow something, I let myself feel that and admit that and act accordingly. So that's another way. And also another way I heal is this kind of radical acceptance. Like radical acceptance of what I look like healed my eating disorder at any size. You know, I I realized that that, that my weight is fluctuating all the time. And that that's okay. Um, I like how I look every way, anyway, you know? I wake up in the morning and I'm in this body and I like that. Um, acceptance of others, you know? When someone shows me who they are, I believe them, whether that is a positive thing objectively or a negative thing objectively. I listen. Um, I notice and I take it seriously. I don't try to explain it away, uh, explain it away. I don't go into defending them. I don't go into denial. I do not make a habit of protecting other people in my head. I just notice words and I notice actions. And then I like, again, act accordingly. Um, I also listen to the universe, you know, the universe communicates in songs, in movies and TV shows and things you read in things that people say to you in conversations and things that come out of your mouth and the art you create. The universe is there talking to you in numbers. Did I say that already? In things you find spray painted on buildings, you know, it's just like everywhere. The universe is everywhere and it's always communicating to you. It's just a matter of listening. And so I listen. I'm very present. I notice, you know, when my mind is calm, I take seriously the thoughts that come into it and the thoughts I return to. When I'm guided to do something, I do it. Again, it might take a little time to get there, but I always eventually do it. And when I do it, I mean it. And um, 
that's the thing too, is that I don't torture myself with what ifs. I do not believe in regret. I do not have regret. I do not experience regret because I realize that everything happened the way it was supposed to happen. And I just take everything as a lesson. And for some people, this might not be the case, but for me, when I find the lesson in something, it sort of like magically releases the wound. And that is kind of beautiful, you know? It might take a little while to kind of investigate and like root out the lesson, but once I find it, I feel free. Um, And then I guess as we have only a few minutes here left, um, the, the biggest, most important way that I heal is that I love. You know, when someone doesn't, shows they don't love me, I pour even love into my, even more love into myself. When I am failing, I pour even more love into myself. When I am succeeding, I pour even more love into myself. When I'm struggling with something, I pour even more love into myself. I talk to myself lovingly. Those bad, egoic, cyclical thoughts. I have an episode on the ego a while back. Please go listen to it. I don't have those negative thought cycles anymore. I have released myself from them, and I've reprogrammed loving thoughts into my head. When I catch myself backsliding and going back to those unhealthy thoughts, you know, thoughts like, I'm unworthy of love, like, I'm a piece of shit, I'm too broken, I'm never going to be successful, I'm never going to, no one's ever going to care about me, I'm always going to be a burden, you know, those kinds of thoughts. When I notice them popping back up, I stop, I take a deep breath, and I tell myself another story. I am worthy of love. I am intensely lovable. I am a kind and empathic and generous person, you know, like I'm interesting. I make great art. Why wouldn't someone love me? (laughs) You know, I just flip the script a little bit and tell myself something a little nicer. And I also love others and that helps me heal too. You know, it makes me, it makes me want to be a helper. It makes me care about other people's experience. It makes me a good listener it makes me patient, but also, you know, this thing of discernment, which is, which is having a little bit of a radar, you know, like paying attention to red flags when people throw them, um, noticing, paying attention, integrating those things, you know, it helps protect you from anyone who would come with some bullshit And it makes you more attracted to people who mean you well instead of people that mean you harm. And that discernment allows me to stay open, like fully open to any experience, to any, um, any relationship, you know, it makes me, it makes me fully open when I listen to someone, it makes me non-judgmental, it makes me a healer, you know. And I think that's like a beautiful thing to remember if you've been through a lot in your life is that usually it's the people who've been through the most who end up being the most gifted healers because you really can meet people exactly where they are, you know, even if they're in the trenches, even if they're covered in mud and poop, you know, you can meet them there. You can climb down in there with them and not think twice about it. You know, you can look those shadow monsters in the face and not shake with fear um, because you know what they are and you know how to tackle them. And like, that is profound. And I guess that is the last level, the last thing that I do to heal. And that is I help heal others. 
I help others show, sh I help show others the way. It's kind of like when you go to AA and then eventually you become a sponsor, you know, you help someone get through what you've already been through. And maybe because you have the information and the ability to communicate what it is you've learned, you can help them avoid some of the pitfalls and the resistance that you went through because you didn't have help. That's that concept of being who you needed but didn't have. It's incredibly fucking healing. And it also shows that you're on the highest level of the healing sort of pyramid. You know, you're at the tippy tippy top where you can pay it forward. And so that's my answer to the question, how do you heal? How do I heal? Research, community and belonging, love, healing others, and researching. Did I say researching already? Sorry about that if I did. <laughs> Letting go and researching my own experience. Um, and also just listening to others. You know, people are, we are each other's greatest teachers. Everyone you meet is is trying to teach you something, even if the only lesson is how to love yourself better so you don't attract a shithead like this again. Um, so listen, learn, be open, and most importantly, love, 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 love. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to contact me to answer that question, to ask any other questions, or to suggest some things to cover in future episodes, you can email me at walkonmychild at gmail.com. Also, if you like the song Walk On that you heard at the beginning and that you're about to hear at the end of the show, you can listen to my new EP Mantra, available on all streaming sites. Um... If you'd like to follow me on Instagram, once again, that's Brit underscore that's underscore it. Twitter is the same thing, but with a second underscore. If you'd like to donate, you can Venmo me at Brittany-Cannon-11. Please follow me on Instagram. Oh, sign up for my newsletter at that email I mentioned a few minutes ago. It's really fun. It has astrology and tarot and just some channeled thoughts and I tell you about all my events I have every week to keep you on top of them and secret only for the people who listen to this episode I next week I'm adding a pop culture and politics section so yay um, I also do a hoots and hollers where I shout out an artist whose work I resonate with and if you have work that you'd like me to look at check me out on Instagram and I will definitely follow back. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful week. Happy healing. Bye. Each within us, it's just about choice, how you choose to live. And sometimes the correct path, like the true path, the path of light and love and God, the universe, freedom, however you want to look at it, autonomy, um, authenticity, that path is usually not the easier path. It requires more self-reflection. It requires more honesty. It requires more vulnerability. It, it requires more risks, more becoming the fool card and leaping off of the cliff again and again and again. You know, I always talk about this, how Bruce Lee said that we're never more fearful or more lonely than when we're forging our own path because and doubtful because there's no template there's no rules to follow you know you're just like making it up as you go along but those are the people who change the world those are the people who inspire everyone around them and beyond 
even after they leave this earth. Like that's what a legacy is, is just like changing the lives and minds, opening the hearts of the people you come in contact with. And to me, that's success. Um, before I quit, because we're about wrapping it up here, um, Dr. Maya Angelou said that success is loving who you are, loving what you do, and loving how you do it. So let that be your measure from now on. Stop comparing yourself to an ideal that doesn't exist and just be. If you like what you heard today, you can listen to the past podcast episodes. There's lots and lots of spiritual and esoteric stuff in there. If you would like a tarot reading or a sort of like spiritual coaching from me, um, you can email me at walkonmychild.gmail.com. If you have any questions, any suggestions for things you'd like to hear me talk about, or any comments on the episode, you can email me at that same email address. If you'd like to Venmo me for anything you learned today, you can do that at Brittany, B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y, dash Canon, C-A-N-N-O-N, dash 11. Um, if you are interested in the art I create, you can check out my Instagram. It's at Brit underscore that's underscore it. My Twitter is the same thing with an extra underscore at the end. And my brand new first solo EP as a musician is out on all streaming platforms. It's called Mantra by Brit Cannon. The song featured at the beginning and end of this episode and all previous episodes, Walk On, is on that EP. So give that a listen and tell me what you think. May you constantly, every day, joyfully engage in the process of deprogramming the white supremacist heteropatriarchy in everything you do. May you find joy. May you find peace. May you find empathy. May you find fulfillment. May you find wholeness. May you find presence. May you find healing. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, bye.